You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Uh, the game is afoot, my friends. <laughs> Round two, A-Game, coming to you from adcom in lovely Cleveland, Ohio. Um, you got the usual suspects with you, Triple J. Jim Ganser, that's myself. Um, just clarifying that for Joel's brother, who <laughs> had some very thoughtful recommendations. It's for nice us. feedback. It was very nice. Very good feedback. You know, if, if nothing else, we are welcome to feedback. In fact, you can tweet at us. Um, I don't know our Twitter handle. At the Adcom Group. There we go. There he's, you go. he's the social guy. Good I'm golly. not the social thank, guy. Thank God. And I'm Joel. I'm the media guy. That's, that's a Joel. new voice. Yep. Uh, this is, uh, and I'm Jeff. And I'm. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, check. Did you hear that? Yeah, I like that's it. Great. This is this is getting more professional by the week. Um, it's only week two. Give yourself a break. Yeah, but anyway, you know, for all all of you that are joining us um, fresh, um, the way that this operates is this is a marketing podcast for the people, uh, the people that are marketers and the people who interact with marketers. Uh, we give an insider perspective from the agency side, covering off on media. Uh, marketing automation technology as well as social influence picking up on the topics of the week picking up things off the top of our brains um, what we're experiencing on a daily basis trying to frame it for you in a way that you've got some uh, benefit uh, you can use it you know put it in your pocket walk away with it can I give you something right off the top of my head right now Let's do it. Just a quick one. Let's do it. Podcast number one of the A-game. Yeah? Rabid consumption. <laughs> and that's not I'm, not, I'm not using hyperbole. Rabid consumption from our user base. Rabid consumption. Yeah, that's rabid good. consumption. I was, I was, frankly, I was floored. Good. Yeah. No, but I think we're good, so. The kids like it. The mm-hmm. kids like it. Um, even, even the millennials. Don't go after millennials. They're good people. I, you know, I'm not a millennial, so sometimes I... You're obviously not a millennial. Well, yeah, I'm wearing socks with my shoes, so clearly I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. Oof. Um, Oof. That was, a, that was a direct shot across the bow right there. Yeah. Right across the bow. It was. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm uh, wise beyond my ears. A um, couple things that are kind of top of my mind. Um, one thing about me, I'm a Cubs fan. I live in Cleveland. This is contentious. Wow. Mm. But um, I've been a, a long Bless time um, cord cutter. I've been a long time um, Cub fan, and I've got MLB TV. And I, I basically live through streaming apps. And obviously, streaming is becoming more pervasive. We saw um, headlines this past week with regard to Roku. Roku's actually gotten to a point where their sales from an advertising perspective are starting to exceed the sales for their um, devices. Up to this point, devices have been pretty much the game for Roku. Is that true? But now they've started to develop into custom content channels, uh, namely the Roku channel, which I think has been out for, you know, I think it launched earlier this past year, but they've gotten to a point now where their revenue from an advertising perspective is exceeding the, the device sales. And then you've got um, stories like uh, the Discovery Network is starting to launch its own streaming app channel. So standalone channels are becoming the norm. And from an agency perspective, we get peppered with a lot of these sales pitches. 
Um, and everything that you read seems to suggest, you know, depending who you're talking to, TV's thriving, TV's dying, cord cutters, cord nevers, millennials, yada, yada, yada. Cord nevers, that's a first yeah. to me. Never heard that one. Yeah. Well, they've never had a cord. Oh, I yeah. get it. I get it. It's it makes really perfect snappy. sense when you say it's it like that. It's a snappy um, descriptor, but, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is TV's still a really important ingredient when it comes to streaming. And getting back to the story with regard to MLB TV, I literally, every inning, uh, I get served up with the same two or three commercials consistently. Would you be willing to divulge what those commercials are? There is there's one commercial that is a Volvo commercial. Okay. Um, young woman driving through the middle of an empty city. Oh. I see it time and time again. Oh, yeah. That's for um, the, uh, the XC40. Yeah. It's a subscription so, model vehicle. Yeah. Exactly. But the thing that this brings up is clearly frequency is an issue with regard to some of these streaming services. And part of it has to do with the fact that there are so many different ways um, to monetize this content. And it is so incredibly fragmented that it really isn't meant to be a standalone product at this point. Uh, it's really supposed to be more of a companion piece. The thing about television, and it's true that there is, um, uh, from a TV perspective, we're starting to see a reduction in, in time. In fact, 2019, we're going to hit the point where there's more time spent with digital than with television. But the fact of the matter is, is there's still a lot of time spent with TV and there's no replacement for it, for the most part. But it's the difference between heavy viewers and light viewers is, is becoming a, a much larger chasm. So, this is what I think is interesting about yeah. this whole problem. Yeah, I mean, it's always been traditionally a reach medium television. But what happens um, in terms of driving incremental reach when 20% of the TV viewers are consuming 85% of the time? It basically tells you that it costs more to increase reach with TV nowadays. But when we talk about streaming, streaming is a little bit too fragmented. But when you pair that up with television, when you build it strategically together, you put yourself in a position where you can extend some of that reach. But in terms of Volvo, I don't know if they just got this crazy kung fu targeting and I am like the closet Is that a documented loyalist. term? That's a documented term in paid media? Kung, uh, kung fu targeting? Kung fu targeting. Which, if, it's, if it's not, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go be. ahead and as soon as we get out of here, I'm going to search for not only the domain, uh, but also any copyright. Hashtag. Hashtag. Hashtag Kung Fu Targeting. That's ours. So maybe this is all part of uh, Volvo's plan, but um, I, I'm sure you guys have seen it before. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out here listening have seen it as, as well. You, you get a lot of frequency. And if nothing else, marketers, clients, brands, just make sure that you're asking the right questions to your, you know, your advertising partners, making sure that you're getting visibility to some of this frequency because you could use it. Um, some some of our clients want to have high frequency, but I mean, it's been going on like three months, every single inning. Um, well, it's not like OTT, it's not new enough where we shouldn't know what the metrics are, what the barometers are. There should be more sure. detail and more strategic thinking around how this is gonna hit people because so uh, our household, for example, everything's streaming, but I do have DirecTV now. That's a streaming app. Yeah. So 
if I watch very little TV now because a four and a three year old in my home have monopolized it. But if you're if you're serving if you're serving ads in my household, they're not going towards the people that buy stuff traditionally. Um, you know, it's all you know stuff out of uh, Disney, which once again filters out to me buying stuff. But uh, I watch very little TV, so our our numbers skew. But you know, these 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 metrics should not be like ghost metrics that you're just taking a shot in the dark at. And hence the reason that you're getting bad targeting over and over and over again with zero mix of new media. And as a consumer, if I have the experience that Jim is talking about, I'm less inclined to buy that product, right? Hit me over the head with it 5,000 times. It's like, hey, I get it. Yeah. You know, like, be smarter about your advertising. You're having the opposite effect on me with, with killing me with this message, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you th- what do you think the odds of Jim pulling into work one day with a ball? <laughs> do you think they're mm. do you think they're over 60%? Because I'm gonna go ahead and guess you that. You think he's been brainwashed I on think the ball brand? I they think are very safe vehicles. He is now speaking about it. He is gonna then purchase <laughs> one of the vehicles. They have actually incepted him into becoming a raving advocate. Sure. You know what the sad thing is? <laughs> you like Let me the guess. car. You've gone and priced them out and gone to a Volvo dealership. No, this is this is a total. Ah, this is a total. Oh, you look nervous assault. to share this. This is, this is a total assault on on advertising, and and I can say this because I work in advertising. But there's a 50-50 shot that this commercial is not for a Volvo. Uh, it sounds terrible because I see it all the time. But I'm sitting here thinking, oh my god, did I just give credit to? Volvo. You're now dead to it. Yeah. It could be a Um, Buick Rendezvous and you have no clue. Guys, tune in next week. I'm going to go watch the Cubs tonight and (laughs) I will verify exactly (laughs) what commercial that is. But I I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things like it's one of those jokes that's terrible, but it keeps getting repeated over and over and eventually becomes funny. There's a great Seinfeld. No, I'm kidding. Um, There's a great Seinfeld that's uh, by Menon. Um, All right. So, Jim, you, you, you. had a funny conversation with Jeff and I the other day about when when we're on calls with vendors, right? Yeah. Right. We need to ask the right questions. So we have a problem here with this frequency issue, right? Sure. So so what are the questions then that we or whomever should be asking of our partners to how do we, you know, how do we draw this out of them? How do we make sure that they're um, executing properly on, on our behalf? I mean, that, I think that gets to, on, our, on behalf of our clients, that gets to the Okay, we have an issue now what's the solution you know? yeah yeah I mean it really comes down to understanding where the inventory is coming from so we I mean we had the benefit of having Roku in the office a few weeks ago shout out Roku um, and you know when we started pulling the parts and pieces away uh, we started to get a better sense of where the inventory is coming in from because Roku has upwards of you know uh, anywhere from 2,000 to 20,000 different content channels that you could potentially pull into the device. Wow. So they've been at it the longest. Um, but the majority of the ads that they're selling is coming through the Roku channel uh, because they actually they want to be um, app-friendly. Mm-hmm. A lot of the advertising that they were selling prior to the Roku channel was promoting actual apps. They were selling it to content partners on their homepage. Really? So people will click through and subscribe. Yeah. So they've pretty much passed along a lot of the advertising opportunities to the individual apps, and they've kind of skimmed off the top for the most part. But now that they're working within their own channel, you get a better sense of where it's coming in. So now you're starting to see how big are the commercial pods, 
How many advertisers at a given time are you potentially running? You want to be able to look at it from the perspective of what's the universe size. So are they syndicating only on their device? Is it extending out into other devices like tablets and desktop computers? Which they are now, which mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. Because you don't want to just limit it to that one device in a living room because you just get to a point where you limit your capabilities of time and attention that you can get with some of these devices. But it's important to understand how many people are actively using it. Um, where is the, where's the inventory sources? And in some cases, does it actually get out beyond that specific device? So it's a little bit easier when we're talking about um, partners like the, you know, watch ESPN apps in yeah. the world. There's a variety of ways that you can actually funnel into those different apps. A lot of times it comes in through the spectrums or cable companies of mm -hmm. the world. But you need to understand where it's coming from, what they have control over, what they don't have control over. Because if you got a partner that comes in and they control about 5% of the advertising, chances are you're going to be hitting people over the head with ads. Yeah. So it's really important to get those clarifying questions in. So I figured out where I, I want to pivot this conversation. Yeah. It couldn't have happened more beautifully. And frankly, I incepted all of you into this pivot. Humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> so, so I want to talk about blockchain. Yes. And it's something I have been talking about a tremendous amount lately. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a developer, but this is something I'm, you know, uh, I'll get into why I'm becoming very, very interested in, in uh, for both the region, but the, the kind of the effect that it's going to have on... Uh, the work that we do and the way that a lot of the technology that we use is built moving forward. And, you know, it's, you know, if we're looking at in terms of risk factors or threats, it actually poses a really interesting one. But Jim helped me think through this the other day. Um, do you know the original kind of premise behind why blockchain as a technology came to the surface? No. Most people don't, but the basis of blockchain was the desire to have a, um, a, a transaction between two parties without a middleman. So everybody kind of focuses on the cryptocurrency side of it um, and banking. So you look at the banking industry and, you know, if I want to transact with, with you, whether it's through Venmo or it's through our actual banks, I... Um, we have to have a, a, a third party, a middleman, who's verifying exactly what's happening. You have funds, I have funds that the transaction goes through. Um, there's a always been a heavy desire to eliminate that because there's there's two primary reasons. One is um, is security. So when you introduce a third party into that transaction. Both parties are basically raising their hand and saying, okay, I trust you enough in the middle that your security is good. I'm going to give you my stuff, my data, all of my information. And then, you know, I'm going to trust that you have, you know, the best, you know, the, the best security in place to keep it protected. And number two is the third party middleman charges. So you get banking fees and transaction yep. fees and all this stuff. So the original premise of it is how do we how do we transact between two parties without a middleman? And 
you know, I'll, I'll spare everybody all the, the jargon that's going around right now. But what blockchain functionally is 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 a uh, a way of doing that without the middleman, um, and so that that heavily affects us moving forward. It affects things like ad networks. It affects the middlemen of these transactions because right now, for a brand to get to a consumer, in many instances, there's a middleman. And that middleman, not surprisingly, because once again, cost and um, you know a lack of streamlined process just creates a, a, a piece of murkiness, of cloud in between um, uh, the, the brand and the ultimate end goal. And I think one of the most interesting examples of this is, so Procter & Gamble is the, the largest advertising spender in, in the world. Um, Procter & Gamble's global CEO, or excuse me, CMO, um, over the last couple of years has been on a tear of uh, two things. Of one, l- starting to narrow down their um, the number of agencies that they use. So I'm paraphrasing, so this might not be exactly correct, but I believe in 2015-16, they had 5,000 agencies <laughs> that they worked with across their headings. Uh, and their flags, and in 2017, they narrowed that by half, and for 2018-19, I believe they are looking to narrow that by another half. So taking the um, taking the agency set for Procter & Gamble down to somewhere around 1,000, um, which, which is extremely interesting, but what precipitated it was all of these fractions of costing that went to the middlemen that for a company like Procter & Gamble, who's spending X number of billions of dollars yeah. on their go-to-market strategy, uh, is, is costing them astronomic yeah. dollars. That's fine. Um, so it, it's just interesting. There's a, there's a big confluence of these two things right now. And I, I think it, it's hard to say anything. People use very conflated terms to talk about blockchain. It's the Internet 2.0. Um, that's that's big. It's it's hard to say right now if that's you know feasible because blockchain is functionally something you build something on. Mm-hmm. It's not in and of itself the pathways in between. It's not a new internet per se, mm-hmm. but it's a way of. So the basic premise of of blockchain is instead of having you know that middleman that one single point, which is the be all end all for kind of validation of everything, which is also you know a big risk factor. Um, it's a single point of failure. It is a decentralized network of verification. It is a decentralized um, uh, holding of information so that functionally, in order for a transaction to be validated within a ledger, it has to be validated by over 51% of the network of that block. Um, that breeds a lot of trust and a lot of uh, transparency and all of the transactions that happen within that network are then visible to the entirety of the network. Um, The other piece of it is all of these blocks are linked together so hacking becomes very difficult. If you try and alter a transaction in one spot you basically have to take every single transaction before that and alter it as well. Becomes much much more difficult plus the fact that you have this network of um, decentralized entities validating that things are are um, are working. This all um, is kind of coming to a head in our region around an initiative called Blockland, 
um, which is an effort to create a critical mass of uh, governmental and business application, blockchain development, uh, ideas, entities, developers, uh, funders uh, in in the you know greater Northeast Ohio region. It's very it's very interesting. I, I'll recuse myself from much more of the conversation because I'm involved in these conversations pretty deeply. Uh, I feel very passionately about it uh, for the region, but it I, I think it articulates a very interesting thing of you know people people crave be making process more efficient. The process, the way it sits right now, for lots of things that we do. One of the great examples, medical records, is you know, how do we transact medical records between hospitals and insurance companies and payers? <laughs> the, you know, it's very murky. This becomes a technology where um, you can end up doing those things with a lot more efficiency. From the marketing perspective, the middle piece is where so many of us lie. So what does it mean? You know, we often look at technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and we hear the buzz very quickly and we assume it's here. And it's, oh, it's here. It's going to change things. But the, the adoption of these kind of transformative technology takes a really, really long time, mm -hmm. specifically because enterprise is built to be slow, uh, you know, out of necessity. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me because it's, it feels like um, we have a, uh, a large disruptor, a large kind of, you know, uh, phantom wave coming throughout the marketing industry from a transparency standpoint. And it feels like blockchain is going to be a big part of that. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, well, you referred to Mark Pritchard, CMO of PNG, and he's been like beating the drum of transparency, you know, going on the offensive against the online advertising um, community for the most part. Sure. Demanding that he wants to know exactly where his ads are running. How does blockchain help Mark Pritchard get to where he's trying to go? Mm -hmm. Well, and this is, I think this is the interesting thing. You're, it's, it's so, you say you're at the infancy of something, the, you know, blockchain kind of the way we know it first started in 2008 as a method of cryptocurrency. But we're, we're at the point right now where you're like, okay, I don't know where it's going to go. The people have more formalized technology. It seems like a nice guy. Um, we got his LinkedIn up. I think I'm going to, should I send a connection request? <laughs> there you go. Um, Mark hit me, man. It, uh, it, it, there's... It's waiting. Early. Stay tuned next week. We'll see Mark Pritchard. Jim just tried to link in with Mark Pritchard. We'll see what happens. I did. I did. Oh, link did in. link in with well, Mark he Pritchard. Didn't, excuse he me. didn't respond yet. Mark. Yeah. Hit I'm with up. you, man. I'm with you. We got we got Blockland. What do you think the chances of CLE. him just messaging you back saying new phone who dis? Who dis? <laughs> <laughs> Limited probably. Who dis? But I think what we're the the space we're in right now is that kind of wild wild west space which I love where people are trying to figure out what the use is, what the thing is, how yeah. am I gonna turn it into something with a value proposition? Um, and that leaves a lot of space open. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of space open for people to be thinking, looking at the business cases. Um, that's very much the initiative of Blockland is, you know, let's look in the governmental and business case realm and say, where can this technology make a massive impact, and then let's start hacking away at what that looks like. 
you know, with corporate partners, with private partners. Um, so the you know the tough part about it is it's nebulous right now. It's it's hard. It's it's very conceptual. Um, but there's a lot of smart people out there that are going to turn it into something. And there's no geographic boundary that says this region can't be the region that kind of puts the stake in the ground. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. But frankly, the that um, <laughs> the Mark Pritchards of the world are going to push push that conversation hard. And people who look at P&G and say, oh, you've got an X billion dollar marketing budget are going to look at that and say, well, I can solve something that will get me a million dollar contract in there. And so the dollars are there for it. It's just, you know, the people have to come. And the, 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 the mass adoption of it is going to come as it gets demanded by the consumer, not by the brand per se. So I think we're going to see yeah. some big plays towards it in the next couple of years, whether it becomes the pervasive technology um, that we build things on moving forward because of its trust and its transparency is still to be t- determined. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my mom's calling me. That's okay. You should pick up. I'm not going to pick up right Avid now, listener. Avid listener. Yeah, shout out mom. Did she, you have a new segment idea, Jim? Oh, yeah. A new man. segment this week? We yeah, got to do it quickly, don't we? Yeah, we're going to roll through it, but, you know, in, in the spirit of giving the people what they want and... Um, Allowing them to put it in their pocket and walk away with it. Mm-hmm. We're going to introduce Second. the segments this week. Yeah, that's two times. <laughs> that's right. Put that in your pocket. Yeah, take, take that, Jarvis Smoke Landry. Uh, Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Um, we've got a segment that we're going to introduce uh, that's called Once and for All. Um, oftentimes, when we're talking about media, when we're talking about social influence, when we're talking about technology, marketing, automation, all the things that, uh, that Jeff kind of dives into. Uh, there's some common misconceptions. There's some questions that continuously come up, and we're looking at it from the perspective of informing clients, um, a one-time only. We're just going to answer it once and for all, uh, or take the, the, the heat off of some of your agency partners. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to introduce this week is uh, around the, the topic of programmatic advertising. And this question comes up quite a bit. Um, can you send me a site list for programmatic advertising? And, and I can tell you that your agency will send you a site list, but you cannot send a site list because it's every site. Uh, we're talking about 99% of online inventories available on the open exchange. You'd be better off saying, where am I not running? So take a deep breath, think about it from the perspective of who you're trying to reach, I can't send you a site list. So once and for all, we can't do it. So there you have it. Jeff, what do you got? So you start, man, you started talking and then all of a sudden a new one popped into my head. Uh-oh. So it's a CRM thing. So we do it on the A game. It's, yeah, I know. We're, this is fast moving. <laughs> so I, I run up against people who have low adoption on their CRMs all the time. People are like, why do I have low adoption on my CRM? It's because you're doing it all wrong. So I'd like to give you three things to do um, uh, if you're setting up a CRM in the near future or you're looking and saying mine is awful, um, uh, it needs to be better. So number one, every time you put 100 fields in, everybody hates that. They don't fill them out. So don't. Just put in 20, the top 20. It's on you to rank them in order of importance. Mm-hmm. Number two, make everything auto-populate or 
drop-down menu that you possibly can because every single time you give a salesperson the ability to freeform, <laughs> they literally they mess it up and then your data becomes bad and then everything's bad. And number three, and this is the hard one, is you have to tie people's compensation to it. So if this is commission environment and you don't execute anything uh, in the CRM system, then you don't get paid on it. I have this conversation three times a week and please just hear me. That's all I'm asking. Joel. Facebook organic reach. This is a topic I think we should tackle uh, in longer form on a future show. Ooh, but, I like that. But uh, we are experiencing um, drastic declines in Facebook organic reach across all of our clients. Everybody's seeing it. You have to be nimble. You have to analyze. You have to optimize as often as you can. This is a daily thing. This is not a monthly report. This is a daily thing. What's working? What's not? This goes for every avenue of your business, really, but on the social space, in the social space specifically, every day, every hour, every whatever you want to say, look, analyze, optimize what's working, what's not. It's a, it's an ever-changing target, and you've got to, you've got to work at it. It's not easy anymore. You've got to work at it. What is organic reach? What was the stat you were saying before? Organic yeah. reach on Facebook. Everybody throws out three percent. <laughs> you, you don't feel there's a lot behind no, that number. No. You think it's fabricated. No, it seems I, generalized. You know, it, people just throw out 3%. And I don't know if I'm part of the problem. Chances are I'm part of the problem. I'd believe that. But, you know, when everybody starts saying something, you know, whether it's true or not, it yeah. becomes true over time. Um, but We've been researching the topic, saw an interesting. Eventually, your Facebook organic reach will drop to zero. So be ready and um, find different ways to accomplish your goals. That's all there is to it. Yeah. We'll tackle that, I think, on a, That's a larger one. scale. I yeah. going for it. Um, so in terms of getting back to the subject of future shows, uh, we're going to actually bow out this week, uh, but want to appreciate all the listeners. We want to appreciate all the feedback. Um, once again, we'll, we'll find some additional items to place into your pockets. <laughs> Number three. That's, That's three. the trifecta. Yeah. That's a, it's a three-peat. Uh, Mark Pritchard, uh, we're going to find out whether or not, up. you know, we got a common connection. I haven't figured out who it is yet, but we'd love to have you on the show, and I'd love to have you as a friend on LinkedIn. But anyway, uh, tweet at us. If you've got any ideas, topics you want us to cover, let us know. We want your feedback. Um, once again, this is the A-game, uh, Adcom. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. There's some really interesting stuff going on. Figure out what it's like to work within these four walls. Great people, great strategy. Signing off. We'll catch you next week.